the thing that's happening or that's been happening for a long, long time in our society and our culture is that people stuff the emotions down because it's not normal to talk about like, I feel sad. It's not normal to talk about, I feel really angry. And we kind of just pretend that we're not feeling that. And we wear these masks out in public. And I think when you learn to have no shame about your human humanity, really, no shame about your experience, no shame about your emotions, because emotions, they're meant to pass through. They're not meant to stay. And what happens if you are stuffing it down or avoiding and, you know, eating your emotions, they stay. They just stay really covertly underground. And so then you don't realize that your subconscious mind is literally painting the reality around you versus actually letting the emotions come out and come through. It's very much possible to learn new coping mechanisms for those emotions that come up because it's human. You are creating your experience based on how you are dealing with your own humanity. That's Liz Germain, and this is episode 171 of Wellness Force Radio. What's up, my friend? It's your host, Josh Trent. and Welcome back to another episode for your weekly access to global experts in all things wellness as we discover the physical and emotional intelligence we need to live life well. In this episode, we're talking live and in person with my new friend, Liz Germain, known for her work in the fitness empire named Super Sister Fitness and Video Influence Pro, which actually all began from a place that millions of men and women across America and the globe can relate to, body dysmorphia and our relationship with food. If you've been struggling or hitting roadblocks, around self-love for your body or your relationship with food, this is going to be a blockbuster podcast for you. I got the pleasure of sitting with Liz for our Facebook Live. Make sure you check out that Facebook Live from this podcast on our Wellness Force Facebook page and join us in the group as we continue this powerful discussion well beyond the podcast today. Don't miss out. Join us in the group at wellnessforce.com forward slash group. Now, before we go live with Liz, I've got a question for you. When the stuff hits the fan, when you're finding yourself in your lowest points, where do you go? Do you tend to turn towards only yourself or a trusted individual or maybe even a community when you need it the most? We're talking about social contagion and the power of trusted community today, as well as the importance of changing our state through our breath. So check in with me right now. Take a deep breath. This is your breath break. Put your hand on your heart and your stomach and take a huge five second breath Then hold it in for five at the top and exhale slowly for five. You deserve this. Know that's always there. And so is the power of changing your state through getting proper nutrients, including micronutrients. This is why I'm so stoked to be partnered with Organifi in 2018, our show sponsor, creators of Organifi Green Juice. This has become a daily ritual for me at about 3 p.m. mark. You know, we typically feel tired. I've actually been adding it to almond milk and making an afternoon smoothie. I get organic wheatgrass, organic spirulina, and organic ashwagandha root, which helps me balance my nervous system in the late afternoons. And you can have this too. Just hop over to OrganifiShop.com, enter code WellnessForce for your special discount. You get 20% off the single serve and the auto ship. Those single serve packets you can take to the gym, on hikes, on a picnic. Are you taking a picnic lately? I would love to take a picnic. Who wants to go on a picnic with me? Let me know, Josh at wellnessforce.com. Click the show notes right now on your phone or hop to wellnessforce.com website in the banner. Click on organifyshop.com. Enter code wellnessforce to get more energy today. Now coming up in the podcast in just a moment with Liz, the moment that she realized self-love and self-care were actually missing. How moving from Michigan to California transformed her life via the catalyst of fitness and self-awareness. How she's become more in tune with her feminine side and using that energy to motivate herself while she inspires others. Why the calories in, calories out model does not work nine times out of 10 from an energetic standpoint. And we also talk about unlocking the tactical steps 
towards feeling your feelings, giving yourself that permission, and how to connect head to heart in our actions every day. Liz's journey from skinny to strong, it's a metaphor for all of us on our own personal hero's journey. And as Liz says, we're so used to just pushing our emotions down because it's not normal to talk about feelings. It's normal for us to pretend we're not feeling sadness or anger and just wear these masks instead. Fortunately, it is possible to learn new coping mechanisms for negative emotions that come up. Now, let's drop in and up-level with Liz Germain. So, Josh Trent with Liz Germain. She is the co-founder of Super Sisters Fitness and Video Influence Pro, which you called it something differently. What, what did you, how did you describe it? Vidfluence Pros. Vidfluence Pros. We're recording a podcast today, and I was really stoked to have you come over to the house because I had done some research on you. I understood that like this woman has not been healthy her whole life. You didn't just show up healthy. This That's isn't true. like you're not like knocking on the door of health your entire life. You've had many thresholds that you've gone through. Oh Lord, yes I have. <laughs> A lot. Now, actually, you're from Michigan, right? Uh huh. Originally, Ann Arbor. Yeah. And you moved out for uh, UC Davis for college. Yeah, uh, it wasn't intentionally for UC Davis, but I just moved out for the weather, you know, like if you've grown up in the Midwest, uh, after about 18 years of that, I was done paying my weather dues. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I was like, I'm out of here. It's really challenging for a lot of people to be healthy in these cold climates. I almost feel like it forges people to get to know one another because you can't go outside. You can't spend a lot of solo time when you're out in the snow. Like it's it's too cold for that. It's true. You're inside half the year. And I feel like when it comes to weather too, like we're pretty freaking spoiled here. Oh, why do you think I live here? Hello. (laughs) Life by design. (laughs) Hashtag that. (laughs) Let's start a trend. (laughs) So um, you've done a lot of work, a lot of emotional work, a lot of inner work. What's fresh for you right now in 2018? We're going to dive into your story. I'm really fascinated by your story. What's fresh for you though? Like what's top of mind for you in 2018? Like what are you breathing into? Mm-hmm. Do you want the? Let's, let's take a deep breath. We love our breath breaks on the podcast. Before I do podcasts, I've been saying, hey, let's take a breath break. <sighs> Isn't that nice? Taking a deep breath is one of the best things ever. Yeah, I got a little bit nervous when you asked that question. My question back for you, the clarifier is, yes. do you want the personal answer or the professional answer? I want the personal. Oh, God. How how traumatic. I want the personal, right? Because we're all, our our personal so bleeds into our health and our wellness and everything about our emotional intelligence and whatever path we're on for our emotional intelligence, it literally colors the lens of everything we do. Oh, isn't that the truth? Okay. Well, I guess we're going to just dive right in then. Let's go, Liz. (laughs) Let's do this. All right. So what's top of mind for 2018? 2017, I call my mush year. It was the year that was my cocoon year. And... I feel like everything that was important to me and all the paths that my life I thought was going to go down completely fell apart, leaving me in a state of of fear, of shock, of just like, what do I do next? And there was several weeks, if not months at a time where, not at a time, just one period over the last summer that was just really, really difficult, really difficult. And everything, like my sister left our business. She went, she got married. She went and started another business with her husband. And then I went through a really sad breakup and just a lot of things happened. And I was like, okay, I lost like all the friends that I had been developing because they were all attached to this guy that I was dating. And I I always knew like underneath that, I was like, gosh, I just really want my own friends, my own community. And I knew I wanted to create that, but I hadn't yet created it. And so um, when that all kind of fell apart, it was like, all right, cool. Now I'm left with like the actual reflections of what I've created for myself. Instead, I was like, 
relying on my sister to be happy in our business and thought she would be there forever and we'd be working on it forever. Um, I was relying on this relationship for community and connection and all that. And I just like once all those things were gone, it was like, oh, hmm. oh, I'm here and it's just me. And Did you feel <laughs> raw? I mean, we've all gone through this where you do something for so long and then all of a sudden it changes in a heartbeat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I felt super lost very lost and it got really bad to a point where i just reached out to somebody that i was i didn't i barely knew the guy and i had heard you might know him dimitri i've i've heard dimitri i I, i've heard of this name so i had met him at love or it's like a k at the end of it yeah 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 he's one of the most incredible men i've ever met and he'd given the spoken word piece talking about his experiences with it's he has a piece called conversations with god he also has another signature piece called conversations with girls kind (laughs) of reminds me of neil donald walsh conversations with God. Yeah, it's really, really powerful. And when I heard it, I was like, wow, so many of these things are deeply resonating with me and what I'm experiencing. And so I just reached out and was very vulnerable and just told him like, hey, I know I don't know you that well, but like, I'm really strong. I I don't have any friends here. And I really resonated with what you were talking about and your conversations with God piece. And I'm just curious, like if you're able to hold space and support because I'm going through a really tough time. And he was like, of course. And he was just so, so like literally the epitome of what every woman wants a man <laughs> wants from a man. So like, just be there. Just be there and just like hold space. And he also introduced me to a few people. And from there, it was just like doing programs like ALA and, you know, all these other I you know, manifested a retro mansion. We're actually neighbors, by the way. I live down the street with two of my best friends. Who knew? Yeah. Yeah. So all this stuff just started falling together. Um, and I called 2017 my cocoon year because I turned to mush and I had to turn. Do you know that's what happens with a caterpillar? Absolutely. When they go in the cocoon, they literally turn to mush. Yeah. So that they can be reborn. There's the phase before the butterfly comes out where it's pretty nasty. Yeah. It's pretty it's challenging. Pretty gross. It's, it's the lobster losing its shell. Yeah. It's like in the shadows and it's happening. It's mushy. And it's gross. So that was 2017 for me. And it's so funny because the universe keeps giving me these signs. 2018 is my butterfly year. And I just did a Reiki workshop. We hosted it at our house uh, last Saturday. And the Reiki master gave me this at the end. We, there were some crazy synchronicities and just some weird stuff. Like I, we could get really into You're totally today. speaking our language <laughs> because we've had everyone from like soul discovery, past life regression, all the way to emotional intelligence on the show. So like people aren't scared to go there. But let's shift though, because your story, like we have so many parallels, Liz, about mm-hmm. letting go of old weight and what that weight meant to our eating habits and understanding this relationship with food. And I'm thinking about Melissa Hartwig when we had her on the podcast and like a big thing for her was where she went at night, where she Mm -hmm. went when those feelings came up that she didn't want to feel them. And when I was a kid, that's what I did. I numbed out with food so much. If I was stressed, I would go eat a carne asada burrito. Mm -hmm. If I was uncomfortable, I would go eat ice cream. And like that became a way for me to check out. Mm -hmm. And now people see you. It's like Super Sisters Fitness. And like you're literally having millions of people on YouTube see you. You're helping them with their body. But yet it wasn't always like that for you. Mm-mm. There there were many phases of growth you went through. And it started actually, you and your sister would come home after school and you'd eat like, I think you said mac and cheese mm-hmm. and you'd sit in front of the TV. And like that was your upbringing. I had something similar where I was raised on welfare. And if you don't know what that is, it's like kick cereal and government cheese, no vegetables, no produce. Yeah, uh, Take us there because I think this is really pivotal for people oh, that yeah. also struggle with their relationship with food. Oh, I'm so glad that you t- kind of like, see, you're the kite string to my airy fairy way. I could go on ramble forever. But yeah, I'm really glad that you bring it back to this point because it all it comes down to emotion. So thankfully, I've learned the skills and been surrounded by enough community. Also here in San Diego, we have many, many options for We're healing, fortunate. for um, coaching, for 
healthy food options, like availability was really a challenge in the Midwest. It wasn't, it just wasn't the norm to go out and get, you know, kale salad or whatever. And it, I think it's starting to <laughs> Especially spread Especially when you were growing up. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A couple decades ago. Totally different focus nationally on organic and healthy. Yeah. So. And you said mac and cheese. I would also add popcorn shrimp, Hot Pockets, Lay's potato chips. Like we had the whole, yes. the whole, super healthy as you know, we can look I, at the I could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so to answer your question, yeah, I think it's it's very much possible to learn new coping mechanisms for those emotions that come up because it's human. But the thing that's happening or that's been happening for a long, long time in our society and our culture is that people stuff the emotions down because it's not normal to talk about like, I feel sad. It's not normal to talk about, I feel really angry. And we kind of just pretend that we're not feeling that. And we wear these masks out in public. And I think when you learn to have no shame about your human humanity, really, yep. no shame about your experience, no shame about your emotions, because emotions, they're meant to pass through. They're not meant to stay. And what happens if, if you are stuffing it down or avoiding and, you know, eating your emotions, that they stay. They just stay really covertly underground. And so then you don't realize that your subconscious mind is literally painting the reality around you versus actually letting the emotions come out and come through and then be gone, like process them, let them out. One of my favorite quotes is life doesn't happen to you. It happens through you. A lot of people have heard it happens for, for you. But you. I yeah, I was going to say for you. I would argue it happens through you. You, you oh are creating gosh. your experience based on how you are dealing with your own humanity. Wow. I just want to pause right there because life happens through you. So are you talking about, I had no idea we were going to go to this place. <laughs> are you talking about that you're a little conduit for whatever the universe wants? Is that what you're explaining? Yeah. And I mean, we could go down a huge spiritual hole with that. We're still going to go back to mac and cheese though. But but yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm so. still going to kite string you back to mac and cheese. But, <laughs> okay. but please like tell us that conduit piece. Uh, yeah. I mean... Heck, I don't know where we came from. I don't yeah. know why I'm here. We don't know. We no one knows. We're, and people we're in that our claim meat to know. suits. Yeah, totally. We're, we're spinning in a rock in the middle of outer space. Yeah, we're heading we're toward permanent death. Trying to love one another. <laughs> I think. Likely. I think that's ultimately it. And then it's like this returning to love on a continuous basis. Yeah. So speaking of love, your father he had issues when you were young. My parents had that. I can think about a, a time where my, I was 13 years old. My mom gets carried out on a stretcher because mm. of her illness. Same thing happened with you and your sister. Mm -hmm. where your father had a heart attack. What was that like? How did that shape your relationship with food? Oh, gosh. Well, the first heart attack that our dad had, I was in third grade. And I just remember being like, not understanding what was going on, being really afraid, um, knowing that he was really sick, but not knowing the extent to what that meant. Um, and then for the next, I mean, even still, he just a couple weeks ago had another heart scare. And it was it's like, whoo, man, seeing Ooh. him go through all of that, and it's not just heart stuff because of his heart challenges. A few years ago, he um, had a slip disc and he was waiting for approval from his cardiologist to go get the spinal surgery. The approval didn't come in time and it ended up like rupturing something where he became paralyzed from the waist down. And because of his heart injury or his heart condition, it prevented him getting the surgery in time for what he needed to possibly prevent that completely and now he 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 did a lot of physical therapy and is able to walk now but barely and it's just it's been such a huge tax on our family and yeah. seeing my dad somebody who I super care about go through that I, I just 
I know how challenging it is for him. I can't even imagine he's in pain on the daily and it's just really, really tough. And I made a conscious decision that I don't want to do that. I don't want to go that route and I will do everything I can to prevent that and to really take care of myself and to listen to my body. Cause that was the one thing, like, I think he kept pushing it off and pushing it off and just trying to like, you know, grit his way through it. Cause yep. he's a very masculine man. He's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> super born and bred in the Midwest, like very traditional values. I could imagine one of the videos on your Facebook, I think it's pinned to the top of super sisters fitness is this video where you and your sister describe this. It's like people get to the operating table, not overnight. It happens yeah. over like 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And it's at that moment where oh, I wish I could have done things different. I wish I could have changed my behavior. I wish I could have understood in a deeper way my relationship with food because it's literally, Liz, I feel like it's the undercurrent of everything. It's like food is the most overused drug and it's the most underspoken about thing. Oh, totally. The relationship with food. I mean, in our circle in health and wellness and personal development, people know the power of food. But for somebody that's watching or listening on a podcast that is just beginning this relationship mm-hmm. with food, can you take us to that point where you actually realized, okay, the mac and cheese thing, the my current relationship with food, <laughs> it's like not working. What was that for you? Oh, gosh. Well, when I first moved to California, I had made this decision that I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to figure out what do I want to do in the world. Like, you know, I was like bright eyed and bushy tailed, ready to take on that. What's West, my purpose? West Coast lifestyle. <laughs> right. So I come Cool and- accent. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> like my, my embodiment of yes. the Midwest roots. But um, yeah, so coming out to California, really just trying to figure it out, but not knowing what to do, not knowing how, you know, how any of these pieces fit together. I just started running. And I started calorie counting, actually. I found a, a brochure at Rite Aid, believe it or not, that Whoa. said one pound equals 3,500 calories. And so in my brain, I was like, cool, I can do math. Like, all I got to do to lose one pound is to create a 3,500 calorie de- deficit. And technically, you know? sometimes that works. Yeah. So- sometimes. Scientifically, for sure. Like, science is science. The numbers are the numbers. And also, what I didn't take into account was the fact that I needed micronutrients. I needed to actually fuel my body with macronutrients, like all three macronutrients. You need the healthy fats. You need the protein. You need the carbs. Um, And there are certain carbs that are better than others when it comes to energy production and no sugar crash and, you know, actually macro and micronutrient-rich foods. So in the beginning, I didn't know any of that. I was just thinking of it like a math equation. And as long as I run this long and as long as I eat this much, it was very, it was very like in my head. Yeah. And it, what it ended up doing was creating even more of a disconnect with my body and my body got very sick. I remember feeling like it definitely got into uh, disordered eating patterns for sure. And I remember one day I was, it was a hot summer day and I hadn't eaten anything all day. I'd already been on like a three mile run and I literally just blacked out. I was hanging out with friends and I like fell out of my chair and blacked out. How old were you then? I think I was 19. Okay. Which is like sad. Like a 19 year old, ki- your kid, yeah. yep. your kid. And like, you poor thing. Yeah, like, it's like technically something. you're an adult, but you're not really an adult yet. Yeah. No, not even close. I was definitely not an adult. So that happened. And I remember being like, okay, this is not healthy. I need to figure this out. And the real catalyst for for figuring out the right way to do things was my sister following in in my footsteps. She started running a ton, counting calories. She got really rail thin. You could see her ribs and her back. She developed a, a labrum tear in her hip from running, she was training for a marathon because she thought that would be a good idea, Do you right? think it was possibly because she was low on her micronutrients? Oh, for sure. There was like no healthy injury? fats. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, it was all like sugar-free stuff, like high protein, almost no carbs, especially if you're running for a marathon or training for a marathon, you need to be eating a ton of carbs. You need to be eating a lot. I actually gained weight when I ran my marathon. So so back to your sister and your story, though, it's like we're doing all these things to somehow get to a point where then we'll be happy. Yeah. Is that what I'm hearing from you? Exactly what happened. And I was like, well, once I'm thin, then he'll like me. (laughs) like myself it was just so disordered like just oh and I have so much compassion for anyone out there who is currently in that situation or thinking that that is what will create your happiness is getting to a certain weight or to a certain look let me just tell you that's not how it works that's just not how it works yeah um in fact I would argue that I was the least happy during those times because I was like putting all of my joy and fulfillment into surface level things and wasn't really true like I didn't have a a relationship with myself, with my soul, with my emotions, with my body. Mm. It was all disconnected on and based on what other people and what society had conditioned me to believe that that's what I should do or that's what I should look like, you know? So it just really was very empty and very fleeting. And yeah, over the years, I just was like, you know, this isn't working for me. So it was a big wake up call. There was other pieces too. I was researching and I was understanding like this story, it literally, it's a story. It reads like a story. Like you had a relationship in high school and then he unfortunately took his life. Mm -hmm. Like it was, I was reading it and and I, my heart kind of dropped and I thought, damn, I mean this, I'm so glad that we get to share your story because your story is a mirror for millions of people that they have a loss that happens, as you said, through them instead of to them or for them. And then what's after that? Like, where do you go after that? Where do you go when like somebody you love and you care about leaves your presence, leaves your life? Please take us there because I think this really shaped the way that you then found a healthy way to be in your body, to lift weights, to be strong, to go to the barbell, to understand what does food really do to serve you? Mm, I, my stomach kind of dropped a little bit when you <laughs> asked that question because it's still something that deeply affects me. Um, can I ask a clarifying question? Like, where do you want to go on this path? Because yeah. there's a lot. That there is said. a lot. And I like to ask big questions. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> so really for somebody that deals with loss or they have a traumatic event, let's say they lose a career, something major happens, a lightning bolt happens in their life. For you at that age, you know, young, 20, 18, 19, 20, how did that shape the way that you either went through more pitfalls or, and found the solution to really understand your healthy relationship with food. Mm. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, I remember after that experience. So what happened was this, the guy that I went to prom with, the guy that was like one of my first loves, um, he broke up with me, went off and I was devastated, but I moved on and you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And I was 19, I was just entering college. Um, or I think I was 18. Anyway, not important. He came back a couple months later and was like, I made a really big mistake. I want to be with you. I shouldn't have left. And I was like, well, I've already moved on. Um, And a week later, I got a phone call from a mutual friend that he shot himself. And that was really, really tough. And for a long time, I held on to guilt over like I contributed to that because I didn't want to get back together with him. And I know that that's not fully true. um, But part of me still feels that way. Like part of me still feels I could have done something more. And basically what that happened was it it took my, I feel like my life was like a snow globe and it took it and was like, (laughs) shake it up and forced me to really look at our own mortality essentially, because I'm sitting here seeing this person who was just a few weeks ago alive and well 
and is now a cold, lifeless body in front of me. And in that instance, or in that moment, it was like, okay, we are all going to die. That's where we're all going to go. That's where we're heading, you guys. Like, (laughs) that's the one thing we know. You could look at it like, oh my God, that's heavy. Or you could look at it like, oh my God, that's truth. Mm -hmm. It's truth. They're, They're both real. And what a gift to not be there yet. Mm. So like, what do we oh do with God. that? Oh my God. What do we do with that? Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And that was a catalyst for me taking control of my life, getting healthy mentally, physically, emotionally. And it was a long journey from there. Um, of Cause there's a gap. There was a gap in my skill of health. Like I didn't know what to eat. I didn't know how to eat well. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to cook. Like I know how to make People don't teach TV this dinners. in school. <laughs> if you don't get it at home, you're yeah, not going to get it at school. We don't have home ec anymore, which doesn't make sense. But yeah. So it was a long journey from there. And I think every time I've gone down, like kind of taken a back step, I remember that. I remember his funeral. I remember it, like almost everything that I've done since then has been in his honor. Yeah. Like thank you for the gift of, of realizing that this life is temporary, that I don't have a whole lot of time. That it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in a hundred years from now. Who knows? But we don't know. But what we do know is like we're here now. So then what do we do with it? And every time I backtracked or backslid, it's always like, okay, what's your why? What's underneath it? What are you doing now that's contributing to the world? That's making your presence in the world something valuable. So you're the big sister as well. Sarah, my brother and I both. I had a lot of body issues when I was a kid. Like I used to be 280 pounds. It's actually what led me into fitness. And then, you know, everything that I'm doing now kind of came from me not having the tools that I needed when I needed them. Mm-hmm. And I look at the way that you even talked about this in your writing. It's like your sister had some body issues. You had body issues. It's really kind of what forged you both to create Super Sisters Fitness. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So after my sister had, she was 22 and she had hip surgery because she tore her labrum from all the marathon training. She couldn't work out. She was laid up on the couch. And, and then I started feeling guilt over, well, I still want to go on a run. But I could tell she would be like sad about it. So we actually stepped into strength training. We decided to do a home workout program together. And that was our first intro into strength training. And we both fell in love. We were both like, wow, you can do this instead of having to run all the time? Like, this is great. (laughs) Don't you think most people start on their weight loss journey with running? Because it's like, oh, I'll just just go do that one thing. I don't have to learn how to work out. But yet the paradox is the other one's so much more valuable. So much more valuable. So much more more valuable. Effective, better for the body overall. Um, and I would argue that, you know, each each exercise modality has its place in a really good, well-rounded routine and also based on your goals and based on what you like. I don't think there's anything such thing as a one-size-fits-all answer, but strength training is essential in some way, shape, or form for everyone. Yep. You can't, you just can't avoid it. The body needs to be trained. It needs muscle. So what ended up happening was <laughs> she and I got really into strength training. We decided to be fitness instructors and personal trainers and got all of our certifications or whatever. And then um, our classes, people in the classes would ask me like, what did we do last Tuesday? I was trying to practice, but I don't remember. And so she and I started posting it on social media. We created a blog. She also is a wizard in the kitchen. So she was making all these healthy recipes for people. And then all of a sudden, you know, people around the world started like in Brazil or in the, even in the Middle East, like wow. people from Australia, women asking like, Hey, that was really awesome. Can you do another one of those? Or this is like 2012, 2013 ish. Yeah. Okay. It was like right after Instagram just started. And you're also really good at marketing. Like you did some marketing for a PT clinic, right? I did. Yeah. And I've done, you know, a couple of things for a few partners and things like that since then. 
other online entrepreneurs. I won't, I'll keep them anonymous, but they're, they're really big. <laughs> okay. People might know who they are. Yeah. So the reason I ask you about like what forged you and Sarah into Super Sisters Fitness is because I think people can relate to you a lot more. We started this conversation out with like emotional intelligence and also Liz hasn't always been healthy. She had to go through, she oh, got yeah. to go through, life got to go through her in order for this thing to grow, in order for Super Sisters to actually help people. How do you see it now? You know, 2013, you both started it. What does it mean to you now? What is Super Sisters Fitness now compared to when you started? Oh, it's so different. So, oh man. Well, Sarah left. Sarah's my younger sister and former business partner. She got married, went and started her own business and that definitely changed my whole perspective of it. And to your point earlier, I think that I think the reason that it became what it did is because people could actually relate to us as real people. Yeah. Like, let's be real. I am not the person in the gym that's like, you know, like literally doing the NPC bikini competition. Like, that's just not me. I'm just a normal <laughs> girl and I just want to have a good time and I want to feel good. Like, that's... You're not putting the cream with like the waist belt yeah. <laughs> thing and like, posing with your spray tan six pack? Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that's just right. not me. Right. Um, and it's not my sister either. And I, I think being really relatable is what created the community the way that it that it grew. Because again, we're not fitness... Like, you wouldn't look at me and be like, oh, she's a fitness professional, yeah. you know? Like, it's just not... That's not ever been the vibe, but... In that, with the transition of her leaving, we rebranded. We actually just, we used to be called the Super Sisters. And we rebranded to Super Sister Fitness. Like, anyone can be a Super Sister. Because really what it is, is like the concept behind Super Sister Fitness is like, you get to choose to be the person, the woman that helps inspire other women and yourself to stay motivated and get healthy and happy, no matter what. Yeah. Like, the right way. Mm. Whatever that is for you. Do you live your life more from intrinsic motivation or from extrinsic? In other words, do you feel like when you have other people and things and a mission outside of you to show up for, does that drive you more than yourself or do you feel inner driven the whole time? Intrinsic. Yeah. For sure. Where does that come from for you? God. <laughs> I say that jokingly, but for real. Yeah. It kind of does. Like the, the amount of things that have happened in my life and the moments of deja vu and remembering it, like I very strongly believe I've already lived this life. Like I kind of know what's our, what's coming, and I could say that some people think I'm wackadoodle, but no, nah, like, you're speaking to your right people. I hope so. Yeah, you are. <laughs> We're at I, home here. It's all good. Cool. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've very much lived this life before, and I'm remembering what happened. And so when I think of it that way, it's so funny because if I tried to say this to my parents, they'd be like, "Okay, Liz, maybe not." Don't stay in Encinitas. <laughs> Are you going to start wearing a purple cape and then speaking to a crystal? <laughs> Let me read your future. No, yeah. it's not even. It's not. Well, I mean, in some people's so, eyes, some people, like some people take it to that extreme. But we, we understand what you're saying. Cool. So um, when I think of it that way, again, life happens through you. So like, what were the things that I needed to remember from this lifetime to get my soul or whatever, like put me here, which I believe is the same thing that put you here which i when we're talking about quantum physics and like that level of like we're all one i know that gets into like really hippy dippy but i believe there's truth in that yeah there's truth in that we we come from this source energy and so getting back into that i think it's just letting it be what it wants to be and this was a big realization that i had last year in my mush year (laughs) my cocoon year is that for a long time, and I think society conditions us to take these masculine approaches of pushing ourselves towards yes. it or setting goals and taking step-by-step step action. Hustle and grind. Right? 
And I, I just like, man, part of my soul as a woman, it's like, Ooh, this doesn't feel aligned for me to operate that way anymore. It feels very like empty and very tiresome to have to push myself constantly towards these things. And so as that started happening, the fitness industry is very much like that. It is very scientific. It is very like push yourself (laughs) kind of energy. And so my shift in that and moving more into um, more feminine ways of like graceful movements. And it's funny, I have a friend, she does dance coaching and she's like, when you're dancing, just like imagine this feminine ball of energy. Are you talking about Kirsten? Yeah, Kirsten. Kirsten. <laughs> she's one of my best friends. I always me- I'm sorry, Kirsten, Kirsten. I always mess her name up. Yeah, she is a beautiful pixie, beautiful dancer. She is so flowy. Just so flowy. And I'm like, how do you move like that? Do you even have bones? <laughs> she's like, because I'm trained in like the very formal, like, yes. okay, squat, like let's clean, press and whatever. And I'm like, how do you move like that? You're just so feminine and graceful. And she's like, I just imagine that I have like this ball of flowy energy and I'm just moving it. And like, even in moving my body like that, I'm like, wow, this feels so much more aligned, like so much better, so much more freeing. This is what my body wants to do. And so I think when it comes to the community side, it's definitely been a shift. It's been a huge shift because now it's not like, go after your goals, do, you know, lateral shoulder raises until your shoulders are exploding out of your arms you know it's like not not that it was ever super like that but But does that that make sense that can produce results for a while in the short term because i'm thinking about when i was 22 years old i was 280 and to be honest like i just wanted love like Mm -hmm. i just wanted the feminine to receive me i wanted to feel seen i wanted to feel heard and i wasn't because i wasn't taking care of myself i wasn't loving myself because i didn't have the tools and so i i did my running i did my calorie counting i'm like listening to you going yep check mark check mark i did that too and i think a lot of people probably millions of people liz fall into that trap Mm -hmm. of calories in calories out why do you think energetically that model doesn't work yeah again it's like it's all in the head it's not in the body it's dissociated from the body and i think that for me the big transition was um intermittent fasting got me back in touch with my body and the physiological signs of hunger thirst what it's actually like learning that hunger is not an emergency Uh everything before was like very heady very calculated every two to three hours i was eating something and it was like a it was like a job it felt like a job it was very like again tiresome energy yeah there's this end goal and i'm not there yet and so i have to reverse engineer and make all the steps to get there and then i have to force myself to do it and it was just like oh instead of getting in touch with what feels good. And that's a totally different, this is a totally different approach. How do people get in touch with that? Because that, I believe, I think you put your finger on it. It's the paradox of, can I enjoy the process and not be attached to when I'm there, I'll be happy. Mm -hmm. Can I just be here now? That's a skill set that needs constant sharpening. Yeah. And I think that's the human condition, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) You let me know when you got that figured out because I'd like to know too. Well, it's a continuum. I mean, but tactically though, we know it's a continuum and you don't have the perfect template for us, but what's worked for you as a continuum of learning in that regard? Constantly developing and cultivating the communication between head and heart, head, heart, and body. My head thinks things, my heart feels things, my body tells me what both are doing and whether they're in sync or not. And our bodies know a lot more than we give them credit for. Um, And I think when you really tap in and go internally and like for someone just getting started, they're going to say... Well, it feels good to eat mac and cheese. You know what I mean? But really when you take a full spectrum of 
is it going to feel better to eat that mac and cheese than it is to eat this delicious kale salad with all these like natural foods and veggies and all that kind of stuff? Like your energy levels, are they really going to feel good? Of course they're not. You're going to have a carb crash. You're going to feel bloated. You're going to like once you've seen both sides of the spectrum, it becomes easier to consistently make the choices that feel best for your body. Your your body is giving you that feedback loop and it's reinforcing the positive mm. action. I love that you brought up the feeling because the feeling isn't always what we think the feeling is. So the feedback loop in the brain is thought, feeling, action, right? So we have a thought, it makes us feel a certain way, and then we take an action. But what about the thought first? Mm-hmm. The thought actually drives us to have that feeling. So just you're right, just because mac and cheese feels good to eat, what was your thought before you ate the mac and cheese Mm -hmm. and how did that dictate why you think why you think it feels good to eat the mac and cheese and by the way i know mac and cheese feels good to eat you know but but why what's the thought (laughs) first like let's laser in on that for people because a lot of people know you as someone that is an instructor you're a teacher i mean you teach people about fitness and now you teach people about like video influencing so people know you as a teacher but how do you continually teach yourself i mean this is my journey too how do you continually teach yourself in that thought feeling action feedback loop oh well Fortunately, I'm surrounded by a superhero squad of of self-development coaches, essentially. And one of the women that I live with actually runs a company to help women with disordered eating. And so seeing the process of how she takes her clients through recognizing that it's never about the food. It's always about the underlying emotions and then like the processes that she walks people through about getting those emotions through you mm. instead of stuffing them down and ignoring them and having it manifest as like, I just got to eat chips or I just got to like, nah, just make this feeling go away. Like, oh, I'm just going to get this quick, you know, endorphin blast from this sweet or salty thing. So to answer your question, I think having a team of, or a community of really close knit and really emotionally intelligent people is a constant reminder for me when I start to slip down old patterns, like, nope, you're actually over here now and we're going to hold you here to this vision until you are able to get back there yourself. I got an email last week from somebody in upstate New York who listens to the podcast and they're in like a food desert. Yeah, they have lots of like open fields and farms and whatnot, but that narrative, that fortification of their community, Mm -hmm. you know, emotional intelligence, it's not the standard conversation out there. Do you believe that that is the pivotal piece in understanding this relationship with food, the thought feeling action? How important is the community? Or can someone do it on their own? It's a great question because I'm at a very different point now than I was when I was just learning all this stuff. I didn't have the community back then. Um, So no, I don't think that that is the the end all be all. You don't need that to get started. It surely helps. It surely helps for sure. But it took me years to cultivate and create that. And it was very intentional uh, choices around who do I want to spend my time with. Um, but that didn't come for a long, long time, like probably five years into the into the journey, if you will. What I will say is all you really need, in my experience, is a commitment and a dedication to becoming your absolute best self, whatever that looks like for you. So if your best self feels really good s- indulging yourself sometimes, I still do that. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. still do that. It's not like a perfect all or nothing type of thing. But making a decision like I'm going to do this so that I can feel good so that I can be happier, so that I can be more fulfilled in my relationships or my whatever the experiences are. Maybe you have kids or maybe, you know, you want to spend more time with your friends and go do active things. Like whatever it is, you're going to be able to experience more of life and more of the richness of life when you're in a peak state of health and happiness and internal 
congruence, I would yeah. say, between head and heart. Mm, great point. The disconnection. I think a lot of times there's this conversation right now that I've been having a lot with my circle and on the podcast, and it's around this masculine feminine balance. So the masculine might be kind of considered as neck up, right? Mm -hmm. Like doing, I'm in action, I'm taking care of shit. Neck but up or pants down. <laughs> <laughs> Waist down. <laughs> Hey, I could make that same argument for the feminine sometimes too, right? Hey, yeah, so, so now, good. and then we look at feminine energy, which is more like hold, understand, mm. see the nuances, mm -hmm. be there, be present. That disconnection between the head and the heart, I don't think our society talks about this. It's what's most needed for change. It's the real exploration that people get to have happen for them, this head-heart connection. Mm -hmm. Is it just the community or is there like a daily practice? Like give us maybe something tactical that you do to connect head to heart. Hmm. Okay. Well, first, hui, I want to think a note about the wording around the masculine feminine balance because when I think of balance, I think of balance beam and I think of like it's kind of like this like thing, right? And one thing that was really introduced to me in my NLP training is the concept of harmony between the two energies, a circular harmony between them, which is more, um, it's not so much like, oh, let's balance between these, but let's like create, a, again, congruence, the conversation between yeah. head and heart. Yeah. So I think it's important to note that because as we know, language creates our reality. <laughs> so if you want to try to balance, that's mean you're going to like teeter-totter between, try instead creating harmony congruence a circular flow of energy and when it comes to head and heart man meditation yoga feeling your feelings i know that sounds really <laughs> no it doesn't uh, <laughs> it's really uh, cheesy, permission but... to feel your feelings has come up almost every month on the show permission to feel your feelings yeah, yeah and also feel your feelings and take full ownership and responsibility of them do not push them on other people that's one thing that that I think a lot of people make the mistake of like, I'm feeling sad. So like you need to do this for me. No one owes you anything. No one owes you anything. And we're all in it. Let that land for a moment. <laughs> like no one, no one's coming to save you. No one owes you anything, but you still get to reach out for the support you deserve when you need it. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about this too. Like the head heart connection, dependency versus ownership. Mm -hmm. I'm wearing a bracelet right now that says ownership. So it's so mm -hmm. funny that we're talking about this. It was Love a gift it. from Ali Waddell, our Wednesday co-host. And I'm thinking about the head, the heart, the ownership versus the dependence. Let's explore that for a moment. How have you done that to where you feel like you're being supported, but you don't feel like you're dependent on your community? Because this community piece is big. Yeah. I think, again, it comes back to last year, like all the work and all the programs and all the coaching and everything that I invested into myself to really help myself overcome or transmute my victim consciousness into creator consciousness. Man, I didn't even realize I was in the victim story. Mm. Like that's how, how thick the mask was. I couldn't even see my own victimhood. Yeah, I guess just, you know, being open, being vulnerable, like asking Dimitri for support asking like for what I wanted and not being attached to getting it that all of that was what enabled me to go on the journey or at least start the journey I feel like I'm always transforming never transformed that's one of my favorite sayings as well because like we're no, there's no mm. end goal that we're gonna get there and be like wow this is it I'm in I'm enlightened now I'm ready to like turn into a light being <laughs> you know like that's not what's <laughs> the, gonna happen. the only finish line is when we die and that actually like you talked about in our first part of the conversation it's the fuel to give us the now to give us the power in the now mm -hmm. so this community part like no if you're watching or listening and you're in a place where you don't have a community to fortify your positive health habits 
you don't have to believe that you're not going to win. You don't have to stop trying. Yeah. That's kind of what I see as the difference between ownership and dependence. There is a lot of nuance in there too. And I don't think we'll find a clear answer on the podcast today. It's not like we're going to come up with the ultimate solution. But I'll just say that, that the Wellness First community and what you've created, I feel like creators also are bound to their own accountability mm-hmm. by their community. I know I am. Like mm-hmm, if I'm sure. not if I'm not serving wellness first community, then I'm probably not taking the best care of myself. And those are the times when I go into my victim story. Mm-hmm. It comes up, it comes down. W- what was your victim story? What was it? I gotta know. Like, what was the old victim story? Oh gosh, just oh my god. One thing that we did in ALA, I'll use this as a specific example because this was like I've used this practice over and over and over since then. This is a very tangible thing that you can do too. So we had we partnered up. We were sitting with our partner and we chose something that we felt was really just like a crap situation. Like we were wronged. It was just not fair. Like, rah, not fair. Why me? Right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we took a story like that. And the first time you tell it like uh, you are the victim, you're telling it like, and then this happened and then that happened. And can you believe this? And it was just so wrong of them to do that to me. And like, you're saying all this stuff and telling this narrative. And I used the story of my sister leaving our business. I'm like, and then she did this and then she did that. And at the end of you telling the story, I think you had like two minutes to tell the story or whatever. The partner stood up if they believed your story. And so my partner stood up. She's like, yeah, that's really messed up. And then the second thing we did, was to tell the story as if we created the situation and there was something good about it for us. So I told the exact same story from an empowered stance, from creator consciousness of like, well, she did deserve to do this and she earned this and she helped me so much and she's just such a beautiful heart-centered person. And the, the, the partner stood up if they believe that story too. And my partner stood up and I was like, wow. Here I am sitting here telling this victim story or creator story and this person's believing both versions of the story. So like what it showed me is that I'm choosing which one to identify with and which one to attach to because both were true. Yeah. Both versions of the story were true. And that was like a very tangible thing. So anytime something comes up where it's like, oh, I'm seeing myself go into like, well, it wasn't fair and it shouldn't have been like that. And, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's like bring yourself over and tell the story from the opposite side. Because both are true. It's just your access and identification to which one you you want to use to paint your experience. Somebody's listening and their mind is probably going to, well, Liz, like, you know, she's a creator. She's probably successful. And that's why she gets to do emotional intelligence trainings. The only reason that Liz can do that is because she's put herself in a place where she can take care of it financially and whatnot. It's funny. We actually just did a show, a live show about money and our relationship with money and how that affects our health habits and everything else. Have you adjusted your relationship with money and over your course creation (laughs) for yourself and this narrative? Like, what does money mean to you? And how does that relate to your wellness? Well, money, uh, it's funny. Money is funny. It's slips of paper <laughs> that we put so much pressure behind, right? Uh, so again, money is a physical manifestation in my eyes of currency, of current, of flow. That's why it's called currency. It is a an energetic exchange. Yeah. All of the wealth in the world has already been created. Your access to it is what people struggle with. And opening your channels and opening, like moving from victim consciousness to creator consciousness, opening that side of you up, you're like all of us are powerful manifestors, very much so. I also recognize there's probably someone watching this or listening to this that's like, yeah, but not me. Yeah, mm. but I, li- I don't live in San Diego, California. I'm yeah, but I'm not a white, pretty blonde girl. You know, I hear that and I acknowledge that. And that's very much true to an extent, depending on what side of the coin we're looking at. 
and I don't know where the actual truth lands on that spectrum. My hair is not naturally blonde. That was intentional. I didn't grow up in San Diego. That was intentional. So all of these things, like you can look at it from the surface and be like, oh, well, it's easy for you to say that. Yeah. But also like my life could have been totally different if I didn't make the empowered decisions that I made to make my life the way I wanted it to look including the blonde hair. <laughs> so when it comes to the yeah, money story, yeah. it's very funny you ask that because I had, even before I did ALA, I had a strong money story of like, that's too expensive. I don't know. And a mentor of mine took a strong stand for me. And he said, no, Liz, um, it's not about the money. You get to go and figure this out for yourself. And I, he paid for it for me. And he was like, if it takes you 10 years to pay it back, cool. Take your time. Because it's not about the money. What was your way of being that attracted this mentor? Because I think mentorship, whether it's a coach for the body or it's a coach for business or the mind or our emotions, I believe that kind of deep inside of us, we are in touch with that thing that allows us to be a certain way that actually calls in that support. Like, mm-hmm. what, How were you being that called in the mentor? Constantly giving, 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 being open and giving and giving and giving and caring about people deeply. And I think when he went through his own process, his own transformation, it was like, of course, I'm going to be one of the first people he thinks of because I had all the elements, I believe, of what could be a, let me be really careful about how I say this. I had all the elements of a very powerful manifester, but I wasn't using them all in the way that's serving the highest good for not just me, not just the people I care about, but for humanity as a whole. Yeah. Like I really was playing small and he knew that. And he also knew, like, he knew what happened with my sister and our business and all that. And he was just a good friend. And I think when that that conversation came up where I I was interested, I was looking for something to get into. And when I asked him about it, he was like, absolutely, you need to do this and you need to do it now. Not need to, but you get to do it now. And don't worry about the power of language again, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't worry Mm -hmm. about the money. That's covered. Like, and in the process, it's a four month process in the process, but in after like two months, he was already paid back because I found the money. Yeah. Like you find the money. And that was a big shift for me. Like, why am I keeping these experiences that I know will be good for me over on the other side of the story that I don't have enough? And I got to really look at my languaging around I can't afford that and completely shift that into what do I need to do to be able to afford that? Much more empowering statement than I can't or I don't have it's like, well, what do I need to do to get it? <laughs> it's yes. like a totally different mindset. Yeah. And yeah, just I think the way of being that attracted that was just a, a hu- like a loving heart. He's never denied that I have a loving heart. And I think also playing small, but him recognizing that there was so much more greatness inside that needed to come out and that it was time to like crack out of the victim story. Really. Mm. And thank you, Brooks. If you're watching this, it the was victim story. Brooks Holland, <laughs> my angel. Thank you, Brooks. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about this victim story and going back to the thought, feeling, action paradigm. How we do one thing is truly how we do everything. So looking at the food, our money story, anything that involves us and having a relationship to us through a thing, whether it's food, whether it's money, whether it's anything else. I think about my own life even right now in growing wellness force and my current stories around money or even the way that I am still in the problem, a work in progress, working on my relationship with food. Mm -hmm. Do you think the monkey on our back from childhood is always there and we spend the majority of our adult life letting it go, learning lessons, growing stronger? Do you think we ever reach a point where the monkey's not there? Mm. 
No, I think that's what it means to be human. And is it the monkey or is it your inner child? Like really, like we could really go Encinitas today. But I think it's, I mean, we all are yes. basically walking babies in human adult <laughs> meat suits and we'll never not be that. So why try to deny or suppress it? That's going on Twitter. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> we are all walking babies in meat suits. So why try to deny it or suppress it? I mean, holy shit. Like, this has been so fun. I want to go into a little bit of faster Q&A with you, like tactical, because cool. I had no idea. I knew it was going to be good, actually, because I just I researched your story and I felt connected to your story based on my story. And I know that somebody watching or listening feels the same way because all human experiences are universal. We think that it's just us feeling that way. But it's actually not like your story is probably felt almost identically by somebody in Bangladesh and their journey. So tactically here, we've gone over a lot of things. But if somebody watches this or listens to this, what's one thing tomorrow morning or even right now? When they're done, they could breathe into, connect the head to heart, and just really honestly take an inventory of this relationship with food. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with you. And it's okay to feel how you feel. You deserve to feel how you feel. You get to feel how you feel. There's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't need to be eradicated. And let me just share something with you real quick on that. When I was young, I've always had easy access to my emotions. I'm an empath. I have, I'm very emotional. I feel very big, strong emotions. And I have a very hard time hiding my emotions from people. Raise your hand if you're an empath. <laughs> I got two hands up. <laughs> <laughs> I have a hard time hiding my experience from people. And growing up in the way that American culture is designed currently, I do believe this is shifting a bit. But in the way that it was designed while we we're growing up, pre-internet also, by the way, because if you don't have community, you can always find online communities or yep. online mentors, someone like a Lewis Howes or a Shalene Johnson, or there's tons and tons of people that can guide you even from across the world. But when you went growing up, feeling big emotions and having that be like, whoa, what's your problem? It was like so much shaming around it that I thought for a long, long time, there's something wrong with me. Mm. There's something wrong with me because I feel things. And even still, like I'll meet adults, full grown adults that have trouble accessing their emotions because for so many years they were taught to suppress them. So what I would say tangibly, tactically, there is nothing wrong with you and everything is just fine. Everything's fine and it's okay. And this too shall pass. I don't like that saying though. This too shall pass because like, duh, when you're in the moment, when you're in the heat of it, you're like, okay, this will pass, but it's here now and it hurts. The logical brain understands (laughs) that conceptually, but the emotional kid, the kid inside of our meat suit, he's like, I don't care. I don't care about your facts and and your factoids. (laughs) What is wellness to you now? It's like the signature question because this journey of wellness for me has been understanding my feelings, Mm -hmm. understanding my body, like hearing my body signals. I love how you talked about doing intermittent fasting and how you felt truly felt the feeling of hunger all your journeys your thresholds like everything that you've gone through how do you see wellness for Liz Mm. what is wellness to Liz yeah great question you got great questions by the way I just want to acknowledge you for that interesting so I think that it originally started as the physical wellness piece but it's so much more than that when we're in these human bodies (laughs) you have your physical experience you have your mental experience you have your emotional experience and then you have your spiritual experience and 
paying attention and cultivating wellness in all four of those categories, physical with your health, your nutrition, what you're eating, how you're exercising, moving your body, et cetera. Emotional with how you're processing your emotions, how you're expressing, taking communication trainings, learning how to take radical ownership over your stuff and learning how to communicate and ask for help when you need it emotionally, as well as mental. Like, how are you thinking about things? Do you have organization? Are you doing leadership trainings? Are you really pushing yourself and and wanting to grow? Because Tony Robbins, one of my favorite mentors, if we're not growing, we're dying. Mm-hmm. If you're not growing, we're dying. So like grow. That's why you're here, right? And then the spiritual piece of like, what is your connection with source, with universe, with God, whatever you call it in your life? That's a real thing. It's not just like this area. Or maybe you don't have any sort of like, maybe you're atheist and when you're done, you're done. But yeah. I can't imagine that must be a sad life. But hey, teach uh-huh. their own, you know? Like sure. even in that, there's beauty of like, okay, then let's make this moment now the best that it can possibly be and that's your spiritual practice. Whatever it is for you, there's these four bodies of the human experience, the physical, the mental, the emotional and the spiritual. And wellness to me now is not just physical. It's all of them combined into one cool little digipet called Liz Germain. <laughs> we call them wow, digipets cuz it's like remember Tamagotchis? <laughs> You're what like, is that? Tell us what that is. Do you remember Tamagotchis? They were like the little keychains that it was like a little robot and you would have to feed it like three times a day or whatever and you took wow. care of it. And it that, would cry if it needed help. Like, or that is awesome. You got to it's almost like a digital it. chia pet where you have to like tend to it. Sort of. It was kind of <laughs> like, it was around the same time that Furbies came out. We were just okay. chatting about this. But we joke about in our house, we call it taking care of your digipet. Like, what is your digipet telling you that it wants? Because oh. when you're taking like the spiritual route, it's like we have these bodies and they're they're communicating to us constantly all day long. Yeah. So that was a that was a long answer, but the four the four bodies, the emotional body, spiritual body, mental and physical is wellness. This has been so fun. Like this I, has been I fun. really enjoyed what you had to say. I had a sense that it was going to be incredible, but like the way that you've just shared from your stomach and you've connected us to our head and our heart on this conversation. Thank you, Liz. I want to mm-hmm. acknowledge you, you for being this crazy bright light, not not just here in Encinitas, but like all across the planet through Super Sisters, through your influence, or like tell people where they can actually connect with you. Can they reach out to you? What kind of questions they might have? Where do they go? Totally. So you can find me on Facebook. Um, just search for Liz Germain, or you can go to vidfluencepros.com. I, in the transition out of Super Sister Fitness, um, that community is still still active, still going strong, and also has become a women's fitness platform. So I'm going to be bringing in other trainers, other instructors, other people who have a gift or have a talent that they can share with the community because the goal of that community is to keep it going and be a a safe haven for women to come from all walks of life to get health and happiness resources for affordable rates. Okay, so that's that. And in the transition, now my big mission for 2018 is to help empower people like maybe even yourself, people who have something that they're really passionate about, a mission and purpose, and they want to, they're seeing all these emerging digital technologies. They want to learn how to use video to increase their income and influence online. That is what I'm teaching people now, specifically using video marketing tactics and YouTube as a platform to explode your impact. YouTube is my jam. I love YouTube. YouTube is Liz's jam. And thank you if you've been hanging out. If you have questions for Liz, please post them. Tell us where you're watching from, where you're listening from. We're going to continue to talk about this narrative of both the physical and the emotional, the head, the heart, everything else that we've gone over today. And this is Josh and Liz signing off from the Wellness Force Studio in Encinitas. We will talk to you again, I'm sure. Liz, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. This was fun.
Hey, my friend, thank you for hanging out and growing with me on today's show. Remember to hit subscribe, share this podcast with somebody you care about that you think gets to hear this message. Support the show by leaving a five-star review for the podcast right now, simply by tapping on your show artwork on your iPhone. Click that purple link that says review this podcast. It helps the show reach more conscious and smart people like you, and your voice will attract more world-class guests that want to come on the show. So let them hear your voice. For all the downloads, videos, links, and free resources mentioned on the episode, go to wellnessforce.com forward slash radio. And while you're at my house on the web, join us in the Wellness Force community newsletter on that page, and I'll send you four free guides around staying healthy with your eating, moving, and sleeping while you travel. Join a group of people like you over at the Wellness Force community Facebook page. This is where we talk about the things that really matter. We share our wins, inspirations, struggles, and a lot more. So join us, tap on the show artwork on your phone, and hit that purple link that says join the Facebook group, and I will welcome you at the door. Okay, now you get to go out into your world and create impact for the people that you care about. So until I see you again real soon, I'm wishing you love and wellness.